Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody. This is the podcast that has never claimed to be elite and will probably never claim to be elite. Just to, just clearing that up right now for uh, those of you still hung on that word. That's been a big word this past 96 hours. Very big. Big if true. Well, I guess it started with, with Hokut's press conference last Sunday. So we Oh, yeah. It's, we, we're, we're almost a week into elite status. Elite, elite status. There you go. Eliteness. Elite. Yeah, there's there's a, a little bit to talk about. Um, we've had the official announcement uh, of Matt Wells. Of course, we did the, the instant reaction that that same evening uh since then i guess it more has come out or i guess not more but it's been confirmed that his offensive coordinator coordinator david yost defensive coordinator keith patterson are joining wells on the texas tech coaching staff it sounds like the intention is to bring the rest of the offensive staff from from utah state um and then there was a defensive backs coach from the Utah State staff that will be joining. Um, so that was a, yeah. over the weekend. Yeah, um, pretty much a, you know, a house cleaning affair for Texas Tech, unfortunately, especially with a couple of guys. I, I think Coach Jones is one that will be sorely missed for – Brandon or Emmett? Emmett for recruiting. I don't and, know. My, uh, my opinion – Ooh. On Emmett Jones is souring. Okay, well, and it, and it's it's based on on rumors and conjecture, so I can't I can't fairly say like I think I've heard I this, don't like him. I think I've heard the same rumors and conjecture. Conjects. <laughs> let let me three two one conjecture. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna start. We're gonna start this over. Conjecture. Um. Conjecture. Yeah, so we're we're still kind of waiting for the rest of the the, the coaching staff to be put, be put together. Some unfortunate but not unexpected re- news on the recruiting side of everything is the recruiting class is basically being zeroed out, <laughs> um, yep. w- w- which is expected. Um, when, when you when you lose a coach uh, like Kingsbury, that is a air quote players coach. A lot of recruits are, are, especially these days, are committing to the coach, not the program. So when Kingsbury and his entire staff are let go, which I guess it was officially released not that long ago that all current remaining Texas Tech staff were relieved of their duties. 
right? Um, that you were going to lose some recruits, and that's that's been happening. But before we get into that, that's that's like three topics down on our our, our notes document, which is noticeably light this week. <laughs> so let's talk about that now that uh, now that we are are heading into winter. Um, Texas Tech football's over. Texas Tech basketball is just getting started. Michael posed a question: What are we doing with our free time? Yeah, yeah, guys. What are what are y'all doing with your free time now that you have a free Saturday? You've got about a four hour slot that's that's no longer there. And realistically, that's probably more like six or seven hours because you're also on social media up before the game. We're then, tailgating. Then after, yeah, getting to the game. Prepping for a home watch party. Oh, yeah. You're still up after the game to kind of calm down, kind of bring <laughs> yourself way. back to earth. <laughs> yeah, if, you know, good or bad. But I, I wanted to pose that question just to see now that that is unfortunately over because we would it'd be great if we had one more game to play. But Here in a couple of weeks, yeah. Now that that is unfortunately over what are you what are you going to do spencer what are you going to do well, with the, these winter saturdays the first thing uh the wife jumped on the opportunity to reclaim some saturday time together as a family and we went to a bunch of weird christmas themed family activities this past saturday um, I don't even know where to, where to go from there. It was like one was at the the Science Spectrum. Oh, they, they yeah, had a, a Christmas Winter Wonderland event or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, when we walked in, it was so they had most of the, the the Christmas activities in that room where they had the butterfly exhibit. I don't know if you've ever been for that. So it's off on the side and kind of around the corner. But when you walk in, they were doing cookie decorating and hot chocolate. So I was like, "Is this it? This is all we're doing?" It sounds we ran, great, man. Well, they were like. Like, not even good sugar cookies. They were like, I don't know. And then they had just really bad icing because I just had to buy so much. It was just, they, were, they weren't good. Oh, man. And we actually ran into some friends like, hey, have you guys done the, the craft and the show? And everything? like, no, what are you talking about? That's what we found other good things to be doing to make up for the terrible cookie they're not a They're not a bakery, man. Yeah. It's well, okay if they have some lackluster cookies and frosting yeah so from there we, we i think we grabbed lunch and then we um we went to a the texas tech museum christmas event oh but basically what that was um was standing in like four different lines for the four activities they had there was again more cookies which they were these were better but they were just like completely covered in that royal icing so like the real hard shiny icing that's just used to oh for decoration basically yeah not really good taste it's like fondant for cookies it's bad stuff then they had like a um a craft or two and i was like samantha these lines are like ridiculous but they had an auditorium off on the side and a musical ensemble that she used to be a part of when she was a student at tech was going to be performing so we, we sat in there watched their concert and we came out, all the lines were gone. We're like, oh, look, we'll go do that, and we'll go do this. And like, picture with Santa's are over. Santa is over. We're like, nobody cares about that ugly Santa. <laughs> Anyways, um, what we've been doing is just catching up family activities with the wife. We've we've tried to do that, but my wife's been sick off and on, and 
a little girl's been sick too. So Saturday we well, just kinda... you've also been a lot better at not like completely going bachelor during the football season. Like, oh like... yeah, yeah. I was I was home for most of all the games. The the one the thing that I've done is there's just something about your head's a little clearer once it's over, and especially I, I mean we're recording a podcast. It's fun. I'm not going to pretend like it's work or something, but it is just kind of. You're kind of thinking about stuff a little bit more, and uh, we're so always my, thinking about sports. Yeah, so my brain shut off a little bit now that tech football's over. A part of my brain's just decided to be okay. Well, that's over. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. So I've started reading a, a book. I haven't. I didn't pick up a book all football season. I, would, I probably hadn't really read since over the summer. And I finally picked up another one. And I'm reading the last of the four Lonesome Dove books. I'm reading uh, Comanche Moon right now. No, no, I've got that wrong. Comanche Moon is the second one, chronologically anyway. Uh, Streets of Laredo is the one I'm reading. So for those of you into Larry McMurtry, you'll you'll know where I'm at right now. I'm following uh, Woodrow Call as he's hunting down a, a bandit. <laughs> He's See, hunting down I'm, a bandit that's robbing trains down somewhere in Texas. I, I always think that I want to read, and I'll pick a book and I'll get started, but it just puts me to sleep. Oh, it, it helps me shut down, and I forget to do it. And I have I've, this whole football season, I've done a terrible job of it. If I just read, even for 10 minutes, I usually try to read for at least half an hour. It'll help my brain kind of shut down, and I usually sleep better, as opposed to staring at my screen and then immediately trying to fall asleep. <laughs> I think I have better results if I staring at your screen. Get out the old like, book. Do you can't hold your phone up anymore, or like you drop that it on falls your on your nose? Yeah. <laughs> so between that and and uh, just trying to catch up on some TV, we've watched. We started this show called Homecoming on Amazon Prime, which is nuts. It's kind of a Alfred Hitchcock kind of thing. It's a thriller. Julie Roberts is in it. Bobby Cannavale. I'm going to mess that mess that up. Uh, he's in it. It's directed by Sam Esmail, the guy that does Mr. Robot. Great show. One of my favorites. I don't even know what that is. Well, in, it's only 10 episodes, and it's on Amazon, and it, I didn't know hardly anything about it. I'm still not going to say too much about it in case anybody wants to watch it, but it's basically about uh, soldiers coming back from overseas, and they're in this program called the Homecoming Program. But then you learn more about what the program actually is, who's running it, their motivations. There's more to it. Huh. So anyway, what's it, great it is, about it... Is it only on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's only on Prime. What's great about it, though, 
is I went into it expecting hour long episodes because that's what everything is now. Thirty minutes. Huh. You can knock out some episodes, <laughs> and and there's not a lot of fluff because it's just ten thirty minute episodes, and we just started it this week, and I think we've watched seven of them, so we'll probably finish it this weekend for tomorrow. sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, possibly. To, no, yeah, possibly tomorrow. It's I don't know. I would suggest that one because the thirty minute. The 30-minute time slot alone for especially busy people or uh, busy people with kids or, you know, whether you have kids or not, if you just don't want to commit two hours to stream two episodes, you can just commit one hour and stream two episodes and kind of feel like you've really accomplished something half the time. You could commit to streaming one episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. Oh, that's true. Just sit there. Just yeah. sit there in well, the dark. No, it, it would also allow you glass to, of bourbon to uh, to multitask because you don't you don't have to be as laser focused to listen to something as you do as you would if you were watching a TV show. You have to watch something and listen. This you can get something else done. Yeah, you be productive. You can you do some dishes. The other day I had drive. I had I had Rob Bro on while I was doing dishes the other day. Friend I had of the my show, Rob Bro. Friend of the show, Rob Bro. Uh, check him out. Rob Bro that's Show. His, his official name, Rob. We, we, we're, that's, I'm sorry. That's going to be your, your well, title for the show. Well, and I think if you can, uh, I think Get Robbed Radio, R O B D, is where you can so find on, his on, podcasts of his show that he does uh, Monday through Friday on 1340 The Fan. But anyway, I was listening to that the other day while I was doing dishes. Speaking Had my of head, uh, headphones on. Speaking of like exciting podcast news, I'm not going to spoil it because uh, it's not my news to share. But there, there's an exciting future and and uh, and podcasting coming up. There is. That's all I'm going to say. We're excited. Yeah. To we're, know. We're excited. <laughs> we're we're just in the know. We're not technically a part of it, but we're no. It's it's it has nothing to do with the 23 personnel podcast. No, we just know. We just know some things. We have a source. We have a source. <laughs> Confirmed source. Confirmed. Level zero. Heard it from the, the source. The source's mouth. There it is. <laughs> oh, gosh. There it is. Been waiting all day to say that one. Um, so I, I, just before we start talking about basketball, I saw this really, really ridiculous tweet from PETA today. Okay. And it was talking about... Oh, was it the phrases that you can't yes, use? Yes. The phrases about not being... Oh, gosh. What was it? What do they call it? Specialism, species. Uh, one of them was don't. Uh, when you said, uh, "Be a yeah. guinea pig," being a guinea pig, they they wanted As you to say, say no. Be, be a, a test tube. Be a test tube. One of the other ones was, um, "Don't beat a dead horse." Ooh. I was like, "Well, that's that's not really all that cruel because the horse is already dead, right?" <laughs> but their their suggested replacement was, "Don't feed a fed horse." Like, no, because that of course, would actually be cruelty and some kind of torturistic yeah. action than beating a dead horse. It's like seven. Yeah. You remember the gluttonous guy Glut- that yeah, he, he, he like explodes fed him all to the, death. Yeah. You don't feed a horse to good oh, gosh. Spoiler alert, everybody. Oh yeah, if you haven't seen seven. It's like twenty years old. So it's about the seven deadly sins and one of them is gluttonous. Okay, we're not gonna get into Speaking that. Speaking of friends of the show, listeners of the show will remember Jay from our Oklahoma preview podcast yeah he tweeted out a 
it was a retweet and then he had an opinion. The the initial tweet that he retweeted said something along the lines of name a plot line in a movie that you would change. Or or I think it was an ending. Change yeah. change the ending of any movie. So he he said that um Detective Wells in 7 Brad Pitt's character, Brad right? Pitt. So, so the movie would end with actually a shot of Detective Wells' wife, healthy and safe, like back in their kitchen working on dishes or whatever. So there was nothing in the box, possibly. Well, I don't know because I, I asked him that. And what's well, in the he box? opened he opened the box though, right? Right, but there would have been something else in the box. It could have been. No one's going to look that hard to see if it is his wife's severed head. Well, it, it could have been something else. They never show else. it. Well, I know they don't show it, but but I'm I'm siding with you. I'm saying that he he could have come up with something that would have been so gruesome that Brad Pitt wasn't going to reach in and be like, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's her. Let me pull it out. Let me pull it out and look. And but then if it, if it does, if that was the actual ending, if it shows her being healthy and well, whatever, right? It doesn't actually complete the seven sins, right? Because his Brad, was Brad envy. Pitt killing. No, it was it was something else. It was being well. Spacey's uh, had to, Spacey's was envy, or sure, yeah, because he envied his wife in his life. I think, yeah, I think that was the point. So then, I think Brad he, he Pitt's, had to be killed for it. He had to be killed for it, and that was going to be anger. Maybe we we don't know our deadly sins. Sorry, guys. Apparently, this is long yeah. <laughs> It's been a while since I've seen Seven. It's a great movie. It is. One of the most memorable quotes, obviously, is what's in the box? Yeah. What's, what's in, in the, the box? box? <laughs> we always, I always say that, too. Like I said, I haven't seen the movie in years. Um, This is what happens when... When football's over. <laughs> football's over. We're, we turn into we'll, a We'll a bring it podcast. back. When football's over and when basketball's playing non-con opponents... Uh, we will turn into a, a movie review podcast, I've decided. Okay. Starting this week. We're talking about Seven. The only reason, the only one I've watched recently is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. See, I, I haven't, I haven't actually watched a movie in a long time. We, well, I say that that we, one's good. That uh, another top tip. That's a good recommendation because it's a Joel and Ethan Cohen production, and it's six different short stories. So if you're busy and if you if you can't commit the whole two hours or whatever, just commit twenty thirty minutes a clip, and you can. Watch these cool little Western short stories. Hmm. There was some movie discussion in our Slack chat, and I get saying this is not going to be beneficial to anybody of Except our listeners me. because they weren't in the Slack chat. But we had mentioned movies based off of a discussion we were having about old cars, right? <laughs> and I brought up it was like there's a there's a vehicle I like from a movie, yeah, um, Last Action Hero. Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter drives a. It's like a late seventies or early eighties Chevy K five Blazer convertible, huge lifted vehicle, big truck, um, had fl- flames on the hood. Um, so we were, we were talking about that. We also talked about trimmers for a little bit. Yeah, movie trimmers because the, they had the, a cool truck. That Jeep, the Jeep Gladiator, like J three thousand. Because Jeep always has like, like this weird. Um, super secret like number and sorry the letters and number designation of their vehicles that nobody knows unless you like buy it so like the the jeep liberty that we owned was like a a jw it's like what or jw doesn't sound right 
You know what we should do? We should table this and come up with our five best car vehicles for next week. You mean movie vehicles? Uh, car. Cars. <laughs> no, I mean car vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. Well, spoiler five best alert. movie vehicles. Spoiler alert. That, that, that. K5 Blazer is going to be on my list. Probably. Mine would definitely involve a 1977 Trans Am. <laughs> All right, sorry, we're 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 way off off the deep end. We need here. to put a timestamp on this for <laughs> if someone wants to miss our meandering. But it's it's 18 minutes of glory here that you've yeah. you've experienced so far. So for those looking for basketball content, here you go. If 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 we if we directed you to the 18 minute mark, here we go. Basketball season well underway. Texas Tech is seven and zero on the season. What? what? Um, I don't know if, if we can say surprisingly, but Texas Tech has won all seven games by double digits. Which, if you had watched any of the Memphis game, I think that would be a surprise because most of that game you were down by double digits. I think it was got to fourteen points at one point. Well, and I would say surprisingly, and it was ugly. Too. Yes, it was. They uh, played really bad in the first I, half. I didn't expect them to steamroll USC the way they did. I figured they would win. I wasn't even sure they'd be able to beat Nebraska, given how well Nebraska looked the night before against, was it Missouri State? Yeah, well, that's Missouri State. I, I know, I know, but they just were dominant. All right, it happened again. We lost battery in the middle of our conversation. I have no idea where it was, and it won't let me play it back. I'm assuming we were t- we were talking about the basketball game against Duke. The the likelihood that this game will be a top 10 matchup at Madison Square Garden. Um we hadn't we hadn't moved on to uh talk about Dan's article from Mistaking the Planes yet where he he lined out some of the second half turnaround. I think that's where we'll pick up here. Yeah, cuz that was something that We've seen a lot, and especially in the Memphis game, if, if anybody watched that, that was a pretty frustrating game to watch. Tech just couldn't get anything going in the first half. It seems like it just continues to happen and then came back out and poured 50 on them in the second half. And Dan kind of walked us off the ledge a little bit on that, but while also recognizing that this is something that would need to be improved upon when entering Big 12 play, which is which is what I think all of us – can kind of feel. Yeah. Wasn't that that second half, like, didn't they end the game like a 31-7 to run? It was something ridiculous like that. But I don't know what the actual, what the actual numbers were. Yeah. Which is, it's great. I mean, it shows that you're not, you know, you're not laying down when you get behind, that you're, um, you're making in-game adjustments, halftime adjustments where you're coming out and playing a different game. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. We're like, we all know that when Texas Tech is aggressive when they have the ball on offense, that they do so much better. And like when they get aggressive in the second half of the games, like this, that's when it turns around. Like, why can't you start that way? Yeah, and and as a matter of fact, he pointed out a lot of great stats. And in the first half, he wrote this: Texas Tech is not very good in early in early scoring. In fact, we're only ranked. 163rd at 34.3 points per game with first half scoring. That's not very good. No, that's really bad. 163rd. <laughs> How many teams are there? Like 300? Yeah, so you're about you're halfway middle. You'll have to excuse me, my voice is kind of going in and out. 
But on the sec, you know, on the other side of that, in the second half, I'm going to read all these points that that Dan brought up. As we said, stakeinthepleans.com. If you're not already there, go check it out. Uh, posted on Wednesday or Tuesday. But he said the Red Raiders are sitting at number 19 in second half scoring with 44 points per game. That's good. But here is where we really shine. Nobody, uh, Nobody's ranked above us in average points allowed in the second half. So Texas Tech your, your only... Your second half defense is first in the country. First in the country. Texas Tech only allows 25.6 points in the second half. And that's like, what, a 20-point differential between your scoring and, and your defense there for the second half? There's yeah. 45-25? Like well, and this is where they this is where that comes into play is, and this is the way Dan put it, here's the cherry on top. Texas Tech ranks number one in outscoring our opponents by a whopping 18.6 points yeah, in the second half. And number two, Gonzaga, who's you know pretty good at basketball. Who, who beat Duke. Who beat Duke. Bluke. They're, who beat the Bluke Luke Devils? They uh, they're number two in outscoring opponents in the second half with twelve point six, a Just plus twelve point six differential. So we're six points above Gonzaga right now. And you know, say that that's to strength a big of swing. yeah, that's say a big... it to strength of schedule or whatever you want to. But it's very evident, and I didn't realize it was this evident. It just kind of seemed like it kept happening, but. Texas Tech is a second half team. And that that could really if they can get the first half to just be not so bad. Maybe maybe let's crack it. Let's crack the 70s on the offense in the first half instead well, That's of, a lot of points. Instead though. of the 160s. Oh, okay. No, not 70 points. I was like that's that's like a full game. Oh no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, they're 163rd you on mean the ranking. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, let's 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 crack the 70s or something to to try to take a little bit of pressure off of you, but I really like seeing it. There's a lot of positives to take from this. And, and Dan kind of brought those up too, is you like seeing that from a team who's on the road or at a neutral site, they're down and you just know that, Hey, this team has done this a lot. Mm-hmm. They've, they've come back out and they've put on a clinic in the second half and played some shutdown defense they they really got a shot, but you don't want to do that in Kansas. You don't want to go down by twelve, fifteen, or whatever at the half and think, ah, we can just, we'll we'll be fine. We'll just shut down their yeah yeah five McDonald's All Americans and <laughs> yeah. we'll it it'll be it's no big deal, guys. We got this. So I I don't want to go into the research because we haven't done it yet uh, of looking at what the opponent shooting percentage averages are for the second half. If you're scoring 25 points, it's not that you're not taking a lot of shots. I think Texas Tech's defense is not giving them good or easy looks. They're forcing them to uh, to go late into the shot clock to to kind of rush around there towards the end and then to throw up a, just an ill-advised shot. Trying to get something up yeah. past blockmaster Tariq Owens. Speaking of, he set the school record on Saturday. It was eight, right? Eight blocks. I think... Labar called it, I think, before the season started or in the first game that he was going to break this record, and he, he did, here he, we are seven games in, and game he did number it. Game number seven. <laughs> um, he did it. The majority of those blocks came when I think he had three or four fouls. Like He got into foul trouble early, 
and then he was he was absent for a good part of the first half. But then he came back in the second half and did a lot of those blogs or had a lot of those blogs in foul trouble. Yeah. He, he was able to do it cleanly. Yeah. So props to Tariq Owens. Excited that he's coming on. Um, it looked like Memphis's defensive game plan was to just swarm Matt Mooney. Anytime he had the ball, like they were just, no, you're not going to get, the ball's not going to leave your hands. You can't pass it. You can't shoot it. And, you know, he's one player, but like if the, if he's the point guard, right, the ball's in his hands. If, if he can't do anything about it, then the offense was obviously going to struggle a little bit. They, they were able to figure it out in the second half. I think it was a lot of Culver and Owens. It was. Th- that combination is just, it's filthy, man. They're like. It really is. And as much as I like Odiase just because he's a, well, he's a likable guy. He's a really hardworking player, and he seems to really care for his team and, and do everything he can. I I do notice that he's losing a lot of minutes and that it's really kind of turning into more of a small ball type team with Owens coming in. And uh, then you've got like Jarrett Culver at the four. Yeah. Yeah. You you'll have you Owen, like Owens is your only Owens that. is your only big man on the court. Yeah. You'll have Corpru in there or something. And Francis Owens and Mooney. Mooney. Yeah, and Moretti or, or Moretti, something. Yeah. Uh on Dingo. On Dingo. On Dingo. I keep adding that second in. I did that on the radio too. That's beautiful. That was that was really embarrassing. No one called me on it, but but they absolutely should have. They should have. And they, they probably can go back to the tape and call me on it now. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I mean, Odiasi only played five minutes against Memphis. Owens played 24. Culver played 35. Uh, I mean, That's they, a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes. And uh, Corpru played 15. Brandon Francis is another guy that they'll put in there. Not as a four or anything, but uh, – when they want to go small. So they seem to be going small a lot more and, and really that's where that, I think they're the most explosive. Yeah. Um, so we, we did mention their number 13, in the AP poll. One of the other, uh, unique or maybe advanced stats, uh, polls is from, Oh, what's his first name? Haslam Haslam. Yeah. What's his Oh man. Name? I just had it pulled up. I feel like it's Ken or Kent. Or yes. Ken Haslam who does the Haslam metrics has Texas tech ranked 23 in both offense and defense. Um, Eric, Eric, not even close. <laughs> not wow. even, I'm sorry. If you're listening, I Eric, we, I, Dan probably just like drove into a ditch because we, and, we and, couldn't remember his first name. Sorry to Dan. Cause I know Dan's interviewed him for staking the planes. Yeah, and, he did. Yeah. And I didn't he, even get the first name, right? I think I, I was, I was, uh, Transposing it with like Ken Pomeroy or somebody. Eric. Eric. There is a K. Maybe that's. Oh, Eric. Yeah, it's E R I K. That's probably what it was. All right. Um, Sorry, I derailed you. So the upcoming schedule for the basketball team, they, their next game is this. No, it's tomorrow. It's Thursday. Sorry. I don't know where I'm. I know. I thought today was Wednesday already. So we're off to a great start. Yes. Tomorrow, December 5th. So the day you're listening to this, tonight. Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, and then again next Wednesday against Northwestern State. Of course, we'll be recording before then. So there's only one game between now and next week's episode. Home against Arkansas Pine Bluff. I'm so sorry. I had a Coke Zero. And it's bubbly. <laughs> well, the, the good news is the 
the next two games are both on Fox Sports Southwest, so we'll be able to watch those, even though they're both in Lubbock. I might be able to go to one or two of those. We'll see. I uh, think we're gonna. I think we're gonna try to go to the, the you're going, Abilene Christian game. Yeah, and that's the one on the fifteenth, which is a Saturday, and that's the throwback game at the oh Coliseum. And I mentioned to Samantha that like they're doing another flash sale on those tickets. I was like, we should just grab some tickets. Oh, and you're gonna. I might do this on the podcast. He's everybody. texting her live right now. No, I might just. The do phone it. is out. We're gonna we're gonna take a look at his texting style. So he has yet. I'm not texting her. Dude. To, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was checking the ad. Oh, okay. What's the ad say? Uh, Ticket Tuesday flat throwback game flash sale five dollar tickets. Uh, use promo code Tuesday. So the day that we're recording. Sorry, everybody that's listening to this and like oh, I missed it. That wouldn't be bad. I'll see what I'll see what our schedule is that day too, because that might be a good one for us to go to. And it's going to be in the Coliseum, right? One of the last games. So, I mean, evening game, six fifteen, six six o'clock. The bad news is because it's at that stadium, and I'm sure that's why is it will not be televised so far. But you'll be able to listen to that one on Double T ninety seven three. Well, get this. The uh, normal tickets are $8. So we're saving three bucks. Yeah, but three times three. Ooh, nine. (laughs) Good job with the math tables. I probably would have said 12. And then I would have fought you on it. Nah, three times three is 12. Sorry, no. The $8 ticket is for season ticket. Holders. Oh, so, regular, so you really are getting a deal. You're well, getting uh, better than the season ticket holders. Yeah, the regular uh, price for non-season ticket holders is ten dollars. So, which I would like to gripe a little bit on that. Fifty percent. We went to the Northern Colorado game, and ha- uh, not hashtag. Oh my gosh! Shout out a uh, UNC grad program. That's right. <laughs> Almost a sponsor of the podcast, but the. The the only two seats left in the lower section of all of United Supermarkets Arena, we bought them. That was it. They were the only ones available. Yet we get there, and of course, this happens every time, and it just infuriates me to no end. We were the only people on our row. <laughs> Gosh. But supposedly every single seat in the bottom bowl of United Spirit Supermarket. That one. Yeah, supermarkets, former USSR arena, whatever, is supposed to be sold out. How does this keep happening? Why am I unable to buy these other tickets? Are they season tickets, man? They're season tickets, great, but give them to somebody. Give them to somebody else. Did did they really sell that many season tickets? Yeah, did they they sell like ten thousand season tickets? It was was them and um and baseball. They were like. They had to decide if they were going to open up more season tickets to be sold because I think they were selling out. Well, in taxes and all, it was $42 to get two tickets to go to a Northern Colorado game. So Texas Tech has figured out that people will pay more for a good basketball team. Congratulations. Speaking of of pay more, I just pulled out the credit card. I am completing this purchase. Oh, my gosh. Live on the podcast. Live. Well, This is previously recorded. nothing live. There's nothing live on the podcast right now. Place your order. 
But that that'll be. I mean, that's a great schedule to head into Duke. I'm very. I, I don't want to overlook everything, but it's not like I know a lot about Arkansas Pine Bluff. They're two and five right now. It's not going to be a super exciting game. Um, Northwestern State. Let me let me check them out real quick. They are two and six. Great game. Uh, Abilene Christian. That's that's the last one we can hang our hat on, maybe. And as of like thirty seconds ago, I'm going to the game. Oh, you're going to the you're gonna go I'm see going. the Wildcats. Oh, the Wildcats are eight and one. And I'm probably gonna have Grayson be the the kid of the game. How are you gonna do that? Well, we have a sponsorship, right? Oh, Our you organization, do. and we we did family the game for football. That was that was it had a lot more to do with. Uh, we're gonna tell a story about the pa- patient and family, and all that kind of stuff. This is like we need a kid, so. Hey, you know, hey, the I mean, really, the Wildcats are they're eight and one right now. So who'd they play? Uh, let me nobody. see. Nobody. <laughs> they ain't played nobody, Paul. Uh, Arlington Baptist. Ooh, scared. Uh, Arkansas State. Well, that's, that's a decent. opponent. They trounced them ninety-four to seventy-three. Or they probably were a decent opponent. Um, a couple they, years ago, they beat Denver. They beat Elon. North Carolina, the fighting Elon Musk's uh, fighting Teslas. They beat Pacific. Uh, they beat UC Riverside, they which tr- is which is a JUCO in football, by the way. They trounced Howard Payne. They lost to Pepperdine. That's their one loss. They lost sixty-two seventy-seven at Pepperdine in Malibu, on December first. But think about that road trip, though. You went to Malibu, California. A lot of distractions. Yep. All right. So that that that's basketball. We we actually do have some football news to talk about. We do. Well, yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Okay. Former, and I, I'm going to say this with like just as as much respect as possible, or as I don't know. Gravitas. Former, for, yes, gravitas. Former Texas Tech head coach Cliff Kingsbury today looks like it was finally confirmed. Done deal is heading to USC to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's good. That's a good hire. It is. It's a good fit. There's it's a lot also, of good things there. It's also kind of sh- on, they're on shaky ground, right? Because Clay Helton is not expected to be. There's a lot of uncertainty going into 2019. Looking Cliff forward Kingsbury. to interim head coach Cliff Kingsbury in <laughs> early November of 2019. There's a lot of that already. Yeah, he may be able to to stabilize and 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 make them competitive and maybe reach up and save Clay Helton's job, or maybe it's like Clay Helton, you're not doing it for us. We're gonna we're gonna tab Kingsbury. Well, and that quarterback, what's his name? JT Daniel. Wasn't he a five star recruit? Yes, he was. Has Kingsbury ever worked with a five star recruit quarterback? Um. No, because by the time that Kyler Murray got to A&M, he was already at Texas Tech. Imagine, if you will, Cliff Kingsbury with a five-star quarterback. And the talent they have at receiver. Yeah. Which is usually a couple of five-star guys. It won't be bad. It'll be entertaining, at least. The the good thing for them is they're in the Pac-12 South. they just a garbage conference, right? They've got uh, UCLA, who I think won one game this year. They have the Arizona schools, 
Colorado, Utah, and Utah. Yeah, they they should, and well, this kind of gets into one of our questions, but who knows? It, they they have a decent path to the Pac-12 championship if they play well. I mean, there's a lot. They've got Cal, of course, and yeah, UCLA is in the pack, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, they always kind of play them pretty pretty hard, but never. Uh, Never just a, a, a foregone conclusion that they're, you're going to beat either of those. Just kind of a rivalry deal. But speaking about Southern California news, I think it was this morning or yesterday that the Chargers have signed former Texas Tech receiver Dylan Cantrell to their active roster. So now all four starting receivers from 2017 are on an active roster in the NFL. Well, and Cantrell would have been had he not gotten injured. Yeah. So it was it's, it's Cantrell, um, Cootie, Batson, and I'm blanking the other outside guy. As Michael takes a sip of his, I took a sip of my diet, Dr Pepper. The elixir. Of I didn't life. help you at all. Who is who is the fourth one? I don't know. It's Willie's. That's right, Derek Willie's uh, on the Browns. Yep, he's on the Browns. So, Texas Tech, I mean, that's got to be a, a point for recruiting, right? That, you know, as much as we've always claimed, like, as a wide receiver, you want to come here, you're going to do really well. That's still true, but, like, now we can say, we're also going to get you in the NFL. They, we, Texas the Tech. The entire starting wide receiver group from 2017, at least for game one or whatever it was, is on NFL rosters. And I wish I could remember where I read it. But I just read it today or yesterday that Texas Tech has the most the most active wide receivers in the NFL. Period. Suck it, whoever claims whoever else claims wide receiver you wide receiver you. Okay, back to some local news. Um, this weekend, uh, David Yost, Keith Patterson, and Matt Wells had their introductory press conference. No, well, I'm going to say Matt Wells has entered after your press conference. Yost and Patterson were made available to the media afterwards. Right. A certain, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this, this just reminds me, so we had lunch today with, with Keith, and we'll, we'll probably talk about that with what we learned. He brought up the, the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> it was nothing but burps and farts. And <laughs> that was, that's kind of how I feel that tonight. Was, that I was just, you and that was you and your brother. I, it was my brother. You it can't, wasn't, it was hold on, hold on. It was just it was just him. And there were kids yelling in the background because we were at my, my my parents' house. It was fine. Hardwood floors all over. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um a certain true freshman quarterback was made available to the media on Saturday. Left quite the impression. 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 Um Alan Bowman, we we finally heard from him. I think my uh, my prediction of his voice was spot on. I said he'd be a gravelly baritone. Yeah, that's exactly what he was. You nailed it. Um, Forgot who guessed tenor. They were they were off. Yeah, it's probably Labar. Might have been. He's awful at all these things, <laughs> especially food. There it is. Yep. There's there's your bingo card. Um, really impressive. To, to hear what he had to say. He he did con- confirm some things that we had uh I'm blanking on the word. I'm I'm this is why I would not be good on the radio. 
This is like a recording. And I'm like, I can't know. I don't know the words. I can't know. See, another. You're fine. Um, now I'm not, I'm not even sure what we're talking about. Well, he was he was filling us in on, on his some of our speculation, speculation. that we he had on his speculation. injury. Because when he, when he first he first sustained the collapsed lung, I was going through and telling everybody what the treatment for a collapsed lung was, right? Yep. I was telling that you're going to have to get a chest tube to drain the air off the lung to have it reinflate. Those usually, you know, a collapsed lung usually happens with some kind of puncture to the lung. Um, found out, not through the press conference, but... I have a source. Let me just say that I have a source. Is your source reliable now? That was involved in his treatment ah. at our facility that confirmed he did have broken ribs. Oh, and he didn't mention that Mm-mm. in the press conference. Hmm. And that, that the situation was quite a bit more serious than it was. Everybody was led on to believe. But point is, um, the second time that Bowman injured his lung, um, he said the adrenaline was going a little bit. He didn't. He didn't fully under or recognize that it had re-injured and the injury had reoccurred uh, during the Oklahoma game. He said because your lung doesn't feel pain, it's just more of like a, your a collapsed lung feels like you just can't catch your breath, yeah. or that you had the wind knocked out of you for for two hours. He said it was yeah for a couple <laughs> That's of what hours, he said, which um, sounds pretty miserable. He said when. He was calming down a little bit, like at, at halftime, like the adrenaline was, was going down. He was starting to feel it a little bit more. And he said he was getting a little anxious and um, worried that it had re- reoccurred and he was going to go back out after halftime and, and try it. And we saw him warming up on the sideline and then throw his helmet down. Well, obviously, we know that when he threw his helmet down, it was a... He was uh, obviously hitting the bed in the head with an errant football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as reported by ESPN. Sure. No, it was a realization. Obviously, that was what it was. That's the only explanation. <laughs> a football hit him in the head. I mean, how how can I argue against what ESPN said? I mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't there or anything. No, wait, I was. You were there. You were on. You were on the ground level. You were ground zero. No, I was in the press box at that point. Well, of course you were. I was warming it up, man. Fancy it was pants. Cold that night. Um. So he he throws his helmet down. Well, in the in his media availability, that was it was out of frustration, yes. But he said it was because he knew he'd have to go get treatment for a collapsed lung again. You have to get that chest tube, that put chest back tube placement. He's like, that's that's what hurt. Yeah, it wasn't the hit. It wasn't you know obviously not the collapsed lung because he, he he he's told us you don't your lung doesn't have the nerves to feel pain. Well, he went about the 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 only way to treat it is just to rest. Yeah, take it easy, let your body heal, but. In order for it to do that, you have to have that chest tube put in to get the air mm-hmm. pulled out around it. He, he did tell us that the the scar tissue that'll cover the hole, the current hole in his lung, will make that area of his lung stronger, obviously. Um, his recovery timeline is 10 weeks. Yeah, so they had considered if there was a bowl game, he was not off the table to start the bowl game. Wasn't that kind of what he, yeah, basically he, he, said? He said that they would approach that once they were getting a lot closer. They would see if if he could go because obviously Carter and Duffy were both they're not a hundred percent, definitely hobbled. Yeah. Well, and Carter, I mean Duffy ended up having, I think a torn meniscus in his knee, and 
A broken bone in his foot? A broken bone in his foot. One in the Texas game and one in the K-State game. And then Carter's still battling that high ankle sprain. I mean, those those guys were just barely getting around. So I'd, I I was very impressed with Bowman. I wasn't surprised, but he handled all the questions well. He was very approachable with the the reporters. And, you know, it. I'm not going to miss that. I think that was a Kingsbury ban. A was, freshman. Was a true freshman media. speaking to the media. He was really careful about anybody speaking to the media outside of him. So that's I'm not going to miss that in general. It'll be nice to hear from Yost. I'm, I'm assuming well, that's what Wells yeah. is going to do. Uh, I know that Yost is when he was at Washington State, he wouldn't do interviews. Uh, but he was. But a, he was not he was a position coach. Right, he was a position coach. He kind of took that after coming down from all the pressures of the Missouri job. So he he may not be into that, or that may not bother him as much now, and won't be a big deal. But if he It'll it'll be nice to hear from more than just the head coach and just a small three or four players, players yeah. after every game. The but, other thing that that Bowman confirmed is that you know he's committed to Texas Tech. He's staying with the team. Um, that was the big, the big question on everyone's mind. Now th- this may be because of the angle of the pictures when they showed the players meeting with Wells. You could see. Uh, McLean Carter was sitting next to Alan Bowman, but who you couldn't see if he was there was Jet Duffy. Oh, and it could have been the angle because the angles on on that were they were pretty terrible. Yeah, because it also looked. But like you would figure a very they'd... small room, like like there were not as many players as should have been there. But you figure they'd be sitting together. Yeah, all three of them. If they weren't, then who knows? Who knows? Well, he may have been off getting. Like a cast Treatment. put on or something. He he may be having a had a scope appointment that night or something on his knee. Never know. But kind of speaking of, or hinting at this, um, we haven't heard anything for, about any current Texas Tech players. But there has been some rumors and smoke that there could be as I've seen it as many as twenty players seeking a transfer out from Texas Tech. Yep. The number I saw was 10 to 20. Not sure how accurate that is, where that's technically coming from, and I've only seen it from one tweet. <laughs> but I don't know if you saw it elsewhere. But if you go on the low end and go at 10, yeah, that's well, a lot of transfers. That's a lot, but that's realistic. Is it realistic? It's, I think so. Did, did you lose twenty play, or 10 players when Tuberville resigned? We could go back and see. Did you lose 20 players after Mike Leach was fired? I don't know. I don't know if you did or not. I don't think you lost any of them. Okay, let me throw the, this is a different time thing to you. How many players transferred, period, five, eight years ago? Ten. Very few. Very, or, very or few. you heard about very few. Yeah, it was not as common, and now it's a lot more common. Which I don't, you know, that's that's fine. The the kids just because they signed paper for a coach that got fired, that doesn't mean that they have to stick with it if they don't want to. But it's it's not a good sign to see that many take off out of what seventy something remaining 
after guys, the seniors. Yeah, after probably. the seniors have gone, you've gotten seventy something on the roster right now. Well, yes, seventy scholarship players, sure. Yeah, out of eighty-five total. Okay, possible. Yeah, hundred-five total with, roster with seniors with everybody and walk-ons. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty decent clip, but that was just a rumor. Who knows if that's substantial or not? What isn't a rumor is what Mike Labar posted about this this morning, and I think he's going to get more in depth on just kind of Matt Wells' recruiting successes and philosophy probably on Wednesday morning. Uh, so if you're if you're listening now, you might check taking the planes. I think Mike's got something going up, but he posted on Tuesday about guys that are that have reopened their commitment, including Maverick McIver. Keon Wait, Stewart, who? Who? McIver, Ma- Maverick McIver, McIver, and uh, Keon Stewart. <laughs> Who's a defensive back? Yep. And Alex Hogan, another defensive back, and Stephen Parker. And um, there's Alex, a fifth one. Yeah. There's, there's uh, a fifth one that was in the Slack chat, and I could Markel Reed. That's right. So there's, there's another defensive. I think you've lost three defensive backs, quarterback, and a defensive end. Right. You haven't technically lost them. They've just reopened their commitment. Right. They're testing the waters again because the, the guy they interviewed for, I, I likened it to this scenario with someone at work. Let's say you go to this company and you've moved, you, you know, you've interviewed for this company. You think it's going to be a great fit. And then about two weeks before it comes time for you to sign paperwork or whatever, they fire the guy that, you interviewed with and the guy that you like your, your manager. Yeah. And you brought in, they brought in someone else and you're kind of like, Oh, I'm not sure about this. Let me, I may have to go talk to these other guys I interviewed for and just kind of, let me just make sure everything's okay. Offer. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's, it's not going to happen, but it's be, honestly, it's not a great chance. I know Mick Iver. Yeah. I was, I was going to say the, the, the one I was think really he, into USC or us, right? I think USC was number two on his list. I, I think that's more of a, foregone conclusion that he will follow Kingsbury now that he's been officially named the offensive coordinator. I would not be surprised. Um, but that was, you know, let's not – those two are – he USC was on his list long already. ago. Yes. Long already. before any of this – long before the season really got going too much. So that was – the fact that Kingsbury is there instead of here really does not help Texas Tech's case at all. For this one player. For yes. this one player, correct. The th- the three defensive backs you've lost with Gibbs likely going back to Houston, I would think they have a good shot of probably following him because these are defensive backs that fit Gibbs' mold, you know, the, the taller guys. Um, he's probably going to be recruiting them to follow him, which is fine. That's understandable. What I don't think is fine is po- coaches that were on the staff – Drawing a paycheck from Texas Tech, like not not unlike the situation when Tuberville left, had Texas Tech position coaches encouraging players to either decommit from Texas Tech or recruiting them to a different school. Now, where where are you going with this one? Again, this is more smoke. The, as the last time I've checked, unsubstantiated rumors, and there is a. There is a staff member on one of the paid sites that knows who the coach is that's been doing it, won't won't reveal it, 
or won't confirm or deny. Like if it's posted, he won't say yes or no to like, you can't just like ask him, was this person and go through the entire list. Yeah. Um, because he thinks doing that will help preserve future relationships with position coaches at Texas tech. It doesn't make any sense to me. What it seems to me is this dude has air quotes power over the subscribers because he's also been saying, Oh, there's a decommit coming. I can't tell you who it is. <laughs> and then when it happens, it was like, Ooh, hey, that was the hey, one. Was this the guy? He's like, no. <laughs> so it's like, he always has that piece of information or he's always portraying that he's got the piece of information that he knows. He knows that you want to know, but he claims he can't. Tell he you. won't confirm it until it's come out. And then he'll say, yeah, that's, that was who I meant. Yeah. He hasn't done that yet. And he won't tell you what the coach is like. What does it matter? Like you're because you outed a guy that was recruiting against Texas tech while he was drawing a paycheck from Texas tech doesn't mean the next guy won't give you information. If he sees you as someone to trust, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just one of those things where like it it bugs me. It's like I, I, that was one of the things I couldn't stand when I worked for a pay site like that to, to draw people, you know, to, to, to drag that kind of thing out and it's happening again. It's like, dude don't even bring it up if you can't share the deets right that was the other thing i was like then why mention it so one of the things that we've been talking about a lot lately is obviously the recruiting class you've got five decommits currently i think that the thing that or my stance is you probably just need to understand not understand probably need to have the expectation that your recruiting class is at a zero right now you do still have currently players verbally committed i would just go ahead to save your your hearts and disappointment um just to consider them as as decommitted or, or opening their their recruitment again yeah because they have to have time to be recruited by the new staff right and they may they may remain committed to you because you're like their only power five option right um, so it would be done for them to decommit at this point. There could be geographical reasons, like about, like Bowman mentioned too in his press conference. He's five hours away from home from here. Yeah, it's which not, in it's Texas not terms is not five hours is that's not bad. That's average. Yeah, it's not difficult for him to go home or his family to come watch him play. Right, and that could come into play for a lot of these guys. You know, if they're getting offers from a, a school up in the Pacific Northwest or on the Eastern Seaboard and they're based out of Dallas. Lubbock may sound pretty good. So my, my not advice, but I, I would just say with the recruiting right now going on with, with Wells, he's been on the job for almost a week. No. Yeah. Not like even four days. Y- yeah. You, it looks bad that you've lost five commitments. He has to have time to, to build these relationships, right? The the coaching staff that had these guys committed had been working on these guys for two years. And it's been three or four days. It's going to take some time. You may not have a signing class for the early signing period. Like, you may not have anybody sign in a couple weeks. And that's okay, because that's not the end of the recruiting class. You've got two and a half more months. Um, we can confirm that, according to Double T 97.3, on my way home today. Why are you quoting them? That well, because they were the ones who said this, that they are recruit actively out on the recruiting trail right now. 
to that point, I think the first... As of Tuesday afternoon, I heard that. First scholarship offer has gone out. Oh, okay. It's to a... Oh, it's to a tight end? 6'5", 250 tight end. Oh, the Juco guy. The Juco guy. I, I don't know his first name because it's... His Twitter account does not have his first name on it, but his last name is Kuntz, K-O-O-N-T-Z, out of ooh, Ventura College in California, who we mentioned uh, UC Riverside. They just beat them in the JUCO playoffs. Riverside was a pipeline for Tuberville and Robert Prunty back in the day. It was a school where I think Will Smith w- w- went to Riverside. I think uh, Bruce Jones went to Riverside, Sedell Foster. I think that little nebulous of recruits you got, um, like 2012, 2011, all came from Riverside. But Kuntz, the tight end, Juco tight end, um, fits into the David Yost offense. He was talking about in his media availability that um, he will be playing with 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end. So you're looking at th- three receivers, one tight end, one running back. Be spread, Pretty empty backfield. Spread, up-tempo team. Um, but that he likes he likes a, a tight end. And he, he, he said, he, he admitted, he's like, you know, I, I don't know his name yet, but the guy's called DT. And I saw him. He's, he's talking about Dante Thompson. He's like, that's the kind of tight end that we want, like that kind of size. So there's one. There are there are some guys on the on the roster that are fullbacks that don't currently fit the mold of tight end as David Yost <laughs> lined it out. So you talk about like a t- Tyler Carr, um, Connor Killian type. Yeah, guy. and I think JUCO would would have to be the way you'd want to go if With you're ends, really sure. going to implement a tight end. Well, and, and, and in then, about every. Well, what is was it ninety six percent? Yeah, ninety six percent. He went into eleven personnel. You actually do have a high school tight end committed. Currently. Okay, all he, right. He may actually feel a little bit better about his position as a commit now that he's got somebody that's saying we're going to run with the tight end ninety six percent of the time. And they do block. They do catch a lot of passes for Yost. So maybe, maybe we'll have a tight end touchdown since the first one since uh. What twenty fourteen with Jason Morrow? With Morrow, <laughs> I I I feel like there was one somewhere, but I don't know if there was. I don't the, know if there the, has the been last one. fullback touchdown was in the was in the bowl game against uh, Arizona State. Oh, jeez, Rodney Hall. Now Mason Reed was labeled a fullback, but like at like six two two twenty is not really a fullback. He probably could have played some tight end if. He had a touchdown. If that would have worked. Um. So yeah, recruiting. You mentioned they're out on the they're out on the trail, making those connections. Made a uh, an offer today to a tight end. That's always exciting. Um. Yost and Patterson. Really quickly, one last thing I want to talk about the Yost and Patterson media availabilities. They were like back to back. The athletic department released the video of it. It's like 30 minutes, about 15 minutes a piece if you want to break it up. Yost was really, his segment was really interesting, right? Because he talked about his offensive style. He talked about his haircut for a while. Um, how, it, how it helps recruits remember him, yeah, which is more than accurate. Well, and, and he, also, he also touched on like 
he's familiar with Alan Bowman. Like he's he, worked, he'd worked him, out. him out twice. He's he's recruited Alan Bowman to come to Oregon. Bowman remembered him too, probably because of the haircut. Probably. <laughs> um, Keith Patterson, on the other hand, was interesting in the other aspect, like in the other other sense of the word. Right? It was a more of a his attitude doesn't seem to fit like the defensive coordinator that you're like, when you think of a defensive coordinator, you know, it is it, not always, as we talked about lunch, not always a Chad Glasgow who is hoarse 90% of the time because he's been screaming his head off. Capillaries are popping. Um, but usually those guys are a little fiery, a little salty. Yeah. Uh, David Gibbs, while maybe not fiery, when, whenever we heard him, he was always, Intense. He was intense. He was salty. Like, there was a little bit of sarcasm and, and, and grit to him. Keith Patterson was just like, hey, guys. Like, big smile on his face the whole time. Happy to be here. I love it here. The last time I was here, I got my, my butt handed to me in the wind. Because <laughs> he was the de- – I don't know if he's a defensive coordinator, but he was on the defensive staff for West Virginia in 2012 when they came to town and, and Geno Smith couldn't figure out how to throw in the wind. He was. Um, he, he came to Lubbock in, in 2016. Well, he he with came Arizona State or no 2017. Was it was it 2012 when he? Yeah, when at West Virginia in 2012 he was the co DC and linebackers coach, and then 2013 he was DC and linebackers coach, and then Arizona State for 14 to 17. So he was the DC. Yeah, he was here for when. Well, both times you played Arizona State, he was the defensive coordinator. Right. Right. Um, if you look at his success on the defensive side outside of this past season with Utah State, not super impressive, but he he figured something out up there in Logan. They had a, you know, you look at advanced stats, top 30 defense. They did. They forced a lot of turnovers. They were really aggressive. Just means it's going to be fun, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. One of the things that Yost was talking about a lot was how fast they want to go. And like it almost sounded like, like he thought it was novel, right? But I think he said, we, we try to go as fast as we can. Um, my, my first thought about that was, well, going fast is not new to Texas Tech. We, we did it, you know. With, with varied success. Uh, very varied success. Going back to, to Neil Brown and NASCAR, right? Yeah. Um, and we're always like, well, that was, we think that was kind of a detriment to the defense, right? So if I was there at this media availability, I, I, I would have tried to pipe in and to either Yost or, or Patterson's like, hey, guys, so, you know, going fast is not new to Texas Tech. We've seen it actually hurt the defense. How is that going to be different with you guys? Patterson wasn't asked that, that directly. He did answer, he had an answer that kind of addressed getting calls in faster, um, which would kind of do that. But I think the biggest thing we, we saw with the defense that was going up against, uh, sorry, that was going opposite your, your really fast offense was your defense was on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. Whether they scored really quickly or went three and out really quickly, your defense was on the field really long times. Um, and it didn't, it didn't, match up very well with your, your conditioning. <laughs> that was what seemed like be one of your, your worst times to be struggling in that area. So I'm interested to see how that works out. Maybe if they slow it down a little bit, 
on Yost's side to give the defense more time. Right. Yost did say his offense goes super simple when they go up up tempo. Basically, they they, they find a couple plays that their offense um executes at a high level, and and, and they'll pick five or six plays. And like when they go really really fast, it's going to be one of those five plays. I was really impressed with Yost and. Seth had a good post kind of summing up the his portion of the press conference and a couple other things about how Yost kind of where he's been, why he's taken some different jobs that he has. A lot of them have to do with trying to have a, bit, a little bit better life outside of football, a little bit more time with his family. That's important to him. But one of the things that within that article Seth posted, there's a video of him working with the guys at Utah State just where he's mic'd up and – you know, you see the guy, and he's – he's. I, I don't want to say he's intense or anything at Utah State. I, I don't want to, like, oversell it. But he's he's got a lot more fire to him than what you might have expected after seeing this press conference, just kind of a calm, collected guy telling you matter-of-factly uh, some very intelligent thoughts on offense and on personnel and on how he runs things. And then you see him mic'd up, and he's – He's out there coaching these guys hard, and uh, I was I was impressed by that. I wasn't surprised, I guess, really, I, or I shouldn't have been. But he just kind of didn't seem like he would have that that loud of a personality out on the on the field. But it was it was good to see, and I think that's going to resonate with players. He's he's just got a really great vibe about him. I don't know how to explain it. I think I think a lot of players are going to get him and and understand that he's. He's rooting for him, and he wants him to do well. Yeah, it was one of those things that I, I think we agree with Keith on this one. Is like the more that we hear Wells speak, the more that like we're converted to hashtag Team Wells. Yeah, yeah, we're we're we're, we're getting and, there. And there are so many people that are still so sour on Wells. Like, well, in my opinion, like they haven't seen him speak yet. They they either tuned out the videos or just haven't been paying attention. If you listen to what he says and how he's talking about his team and how, how the players are going to – all that kind of stuff, it's easy to get behind him. Yeah. And it, saying that doesn't mean 2019 is going to be eight wins or seven wins. No, of course not. And, and that's not – But it's going to think... be easy to get behind him as, a, as, a, as the new head coach at Texas Tech and look forward into the future and saying this, is the, this was the right guy. I think that he's got a a lot of upside to him if he can translate. Because when I I tweeted out after the press conference, one of the things that caught me the most was how genuine he seemed. Mm-hmm. He didn't, you know, every coach is going to talk in cliches here and there, but he didn't come in like Tommy Tuberville and start talking about Big Twelve championships and all this other kind of stuff. He just no, he, he let Hoka. Yeah, Hoka did that for him. To be elite and to be talking about, you know, we don't want to be announcing a coach on Championship Saturday. We want to be getting ready for kickoff. Right, which, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I rolled my eyes a little at that because, come on, this this guy's got enough pressure on him. Let's let him try to get to a bowl game first. But but he was was great with his philosophy on just kind of how he handles players, Mm -hmm. uh, how he handles – he loves them hard, and he coaches them hard. Yeah. the There was the the other – just every time he talked about his players at Utah State, 
you could tell he would he was getting emotional just a little bit because he, he just connected to him that much and he cared for him that much and he even did that a couple of times talking about the tech guys because he would look at them because they were sitting right in front of him and he'd look at him he'd kind of get that same emotional uh look on his face and you know he it it was really just that sold me a lot that if he's going to care about these guys that he's just barely met as much as he cared about the guys that he's just spent mm-hmm. six years with all in this same press conference and kind of show that same emotion I that sold me a lot right there and if yeah. if he can convince recruits that same that he's going to invest in, in their parents and stuff too that he's going to invest that much into their kids, um, then that, that'll help him be successful. And one thing that they kind of cut off at the very end, it was Don Williams question. They cut it off on the broadcast on 97, three, but if you watched it, you could hear it It seemed kind of, uh, on, you know, purposeful if they cut it on the broadcast, but anyway, uh, he just kind of asked him about his turmoil, not turmoil, but you know, he had a bad, three win season or something kind of tucked in in the middle of his six year run there. And he, he pointed to the fact that he got away from meeting with the players as often as he did when he first started coaching, that was really important to him to meet with the players, not in an office. They'd be walking around Mm -hmm. two minutes, five minutes, 10 minute meeting, just something with every player individually four, four or five a day, just, just keep going and keep doing it. And then he got kind of away from that and, he felt like that was something that he could have done differently and they may have seen better results. He may have had a better connection with the guys. And so he learned from that and started doing that again the last couple of years. Just small stuff like that. Stuff that you may not know till you've been a head coach for a little bit longer, till you've been coaching for 15 plus years, 20. I'm definitely being sold on the guy. I don't understand the crowd of – I was as pro Kingsbury as you could get until, until he laid an egg the last two games. And even as I've said before, if, if Hokut would have kept him, I'd have been fine with it, but you got to let it go. The decision's been made. Mm -hmm. And I've used this lame joke before. We didn't graduate from Mike Leach university. We didn't graduate from Cliff Kingsbury university. These kids still need your support. This staff needs your support. Let's just try to move on best as we possibly can and let Kingsbury move on as well, which yeah. I think he's going to be great. He's going to be just fine. It's going to be interesting to, to watch them this year. Yeah. This I've, upcoming season. I have a friend that went to grad school at USC. I actually helped him move there. We drove a U-Haul from, from Abilene, Texas to Los Angeles, California. It's a long drive. There was three of us, and we drove his car in a U-Haul all the way there. He still got that same car, <laughs> and it's it was it was registered in Texas until like last year. It was it was his proudest moment, but it wouldn't pass an inspection and all this other stuff. Anyway, he had to re- finally register it in California, but uh, I haven't gotten the chance to talk to him yet because he's on a business trip in Taiwan. But we need to try to get together and see if he's excited about his Trojans having Kingsbury. Yeah. So, I went on a tangent there. I want to go ahead and apologize to anybody that's uh, still anti-Wells. We, you got a lot of sunshine pumping from these two over here. Sure. Why um, not? I'm excited 
especially about the prospect of just a new new version of a of an offense that has been really explosive, puts up a lot of points. Excited about that. Excited to see if and how Patterson can put it together um, on the defensive side and what that looks like for Texas Tech. I'm I'm trying to be realistic and not expect eight wins and twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's difficult, right? <laughs> not 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 for me. Not not right now. Because I look around the conference, I'm like, well, the quarterbacks we knew of were like Kyler Murray, he's gone. Will Greer, he's gone. The guys, you know, at TCU, whoever that's gonna be, doesn't scare me. Charlie Brewer at Baylor doesn't scare me. One of the Kansas State guys transferred. Alex Delton, yeah, he he transferred. Skylar Thompson doesn't scare me. You um, still got the Peyton Bender at Kansas yeah. graduated. Well, you've got the kid at Iowa State, Brock Purdy. That Purdy has like some, a rock star. That has some potential. But here's the thing: like almost out of default, like you should have the best quarterback in 2019 in Alan Bowman. That is true. Yeah, it is. Anyways, all right, let's get to some of your questions. We, we got a, we got a couple to talk about. Well, because they're going to kind of tie into that. That's why I was yeah. being kind of silent. The first one is seasonal, though, and it's from our our, our boy Brian. And I I love the way it's phrased. I'm, I'm gonna we, I'm gonna weed it. I'm gonna read it word for word. What's the best candy cane flavor, and why is it the multicolored cherry ones? Ooh. <laughs> Great, great choice of wording there, Brian. No, I'm going to tell you the best candy cane flavor is what I had tonight. Actually, we All found right. Oreo flavored candy canes. No, and that's not a thing. Hold, no, it is a thing, and it was really good. I'm going to have to look this up. I may have to bring one over for you next week. Have you seen the the Oreos that have cookie and cream centers? No, but that sounds pretty good too. It's it's just an Oreo filled Oreo. <laughs> That's, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you like Oreos, don't you? This isn't Pimp My Ride. This is Oreos. We put some Oreos in your Oreos. Do you like Oreos? <laughs> no, uh, the best can Okay, he's got a good point here. I kind of like the... I like the old school, just plain Jane candy cane the just peppermint. Well, I like I the like ones with the... Enough. I like the ones with the green stripe. So spearmint? I don't even like spearmint, but for some reason that kind of works for me. And then they have the yellow ones. The yeah, yellow ones a are sweet one. Yeah, that's kind of like a tutti frutti thing going on there. Tutti frutti. With any of the like fruity, oh, I'm all flavors. In. You, I like you fruity could, stuff. You 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 had to go with tutti frutti. Tutti frutti. So we actually bought like they have individually wrapped like kind of larger Jelly Belly brand candy canes at Walmart the other night. We're like, we'll grab a couple. So Samantha grabbed um, cotton candy. That's like her, her her vice, right? Is cotton candy. She could almost live off of it if it wasn't just air. <laughs> um, My wife likes cotton candy too. We got a pina colada flavored one. We haven't tried these yet. We got a very cherry and then an island punch. So, so it's like a, the red. According to Brian, the very cherry is going to be the the winner here. Yeah, it's it's I know which one you're talking about cuz I I think Brian, I think those are the ones that are like pink and red and mm-hmm. 
maybe like a really dark red on top of it all. Those are really good. Island Punch is like purple and pink. Cotton Candy is like pink and yellow. Uh, Pina Colada is obviously like orange and yellow. I'm all aboard those. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to try those. However, I have tried the Oreo cotton. Not the Oreo, Oreo cotton candy. Oreo okay, I'd try candy that. Cane. Oreo candy cane. It's phenomenal. No. I don't even believe that exists. I'm telling you, man. I had one tonight. I'll, okay. Sure. I, I will have Samantha take a picture and send it to us. Okay. Okay. Next question. Adele. Predictions on which current college coaches, if any, will jump, jump to the NFL next year. Okay. Mine is topical. Oh, here we go. Urban Meyer. Uh, see, I don't know. I, I I think the retirement here may be actually a little more permanent this time. Well, he's he said some some goofy way. Well, I'm not completely r- ruling out football. There was some there was some quote about what he said to kind of hem haw out of it. But here's the thing: like, why retire if you're still going to be in, like? I guess it's to save face to like. He doesn't resign. It's like probably the the easiest way to get out of coaching without there being a black eye, right? Like you resign. It's like, well, what's going on? Yeah. Like retirement is like, oh, he's he's doing something good for himself. Like re- resigning. It's like, ooh, what happened? Especially when you look at a Ohio State team that, I mean, really outside of missing the playoff was really su- successful this year. Well, yeah, and they usually are. It just – there was a lot of turmoil there at the beginning of it. Um, I I feel like that would make sense, though. If he wants to retire from college football, if he wants to retire from being a head coach at a college program, this would be the time to do it. And the NFL is – there's they're getting better about it, but there there's more of a gray area there for – coaches with a little bit blemished past you know even if it's not something they did themselves but something they kind of allowed a someone underneath them to to do and try to kind of cover up a little bit it's it's a little bit less of a a deal in the nfl it's getting better about that but that that's immediately who i thought of i i don't know who else unless you've got uh you know probably todd graham I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> no, but that that was that was who I thought of Adele immediately. Was just I could see Urban Meyer coaching in the NFL, possibly next year. And he's got some ridiculous like career stats. All the schools. I think he's he lost what like nine games in his seven years. Oh, that's insane. Ohio Is State. Is that true? That's probably true. That's I mean, nuts. Like, like there are and probably a, a, out a of couple those, of his years, like they were undefeated. Well, and out of those games, what two or three of them were in the college football playoff or something like that? Yeah. Um. So the other guy, the, the, the guy I thought of, because I was thinking about coaches that have had a lot of his, a lot of success, and that may want to do something else. I know he's done it before, but I think Nick Saban would have to be on on somebody's list. You think so? You you think so because too? When they won the conference championship game this weekend against Georgia, they looked bored. Like in the in the trophy presentation, because we were out to eat when it happened, they were still broadcasting it. He and his players looked like it was just another game, and they really couldn't care less. 
Yeah. It was essentially a semifinal game. It was a, it was one versus four. And they came back and they won it like late in the game. And like they just looked disinterested. And a part of me thinks that like, yes, winning all these championships is good. Like everybody's going to say Alabama from whenever it started until whenever it ends, best college football team or program ever. Cause this run is just ridiculous. Like this year, this game against Georgia was probably the closest game. I I, I think I, I sent it in the Slack chat or tweeted it or whatever. Um, going into this game, they trailed for a grand total of a minute all season. All season. And this season, and this game alone, they, they trailed for like twenty minutes, whatever it was, or a good portion of it. I just think he may be looking for some other kind of challenge because it doesn't seem like he like the only thing he could do now at Alabama is just to see how long the streak can go. Yeah. And maybe he's just bored of it. Well, and that was kind of, that's been talked about quite a bit. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm showing my Excuse Michael. me guys. Oh, there is an Oreo, Oreo candy cane on Spencer's phone. No, it looks black and white. It looks like it's, licorice. It, it's Looks like a licorice candy definitely cane. Definitely not licorice. And see, th- these are the, the special ones we got from the story of the night. Okay, that's pretty cool. Mixed in with the Oreo candy. I'm going to have to go have a whole, because what we did is we split it up into three pieces so we can all try one. Oh, that's that's fun. So I, I may have to go home and just have a whole one to myself. Yeah, you, you probably should. There's more of those than the rest of them, so that's fine. Well, because it, it, was, it was a whole That's box. always my philosophy. Is it was a whole box. If I'm trying to snack on something, I... Well, people are going to miss this the least because there's more of it. Yeah. Uh, but back to Saban, his wife, Terry, was interviewed by the Wall Street Journal recently. And she said this quote, you come to a crossroads and the expectations get so great. People get spoiled by success and there gets to be a lack of appreciation. We're kind of there now. Did you know she said that in an interview? No. But it kind of would make sense. It would make sense. Like, and it goes to what you're saying that like the expectation is, okay, we're going to win the national championship this year. Yeah. Like, and okay, anything like, less you, than that's a great grave disappointment for Alabama fans. But for the Boo other freaking 127 who. FBS programs, being in that position would be fantastic. Of course. It would be successful. And they're like, well, if we don't win it, it's a disappointment. Yeah. It's, it's time for despair. And I, I yeah. don't, I mean, I, it's not that I don't think they're not set up to continue this run. I mean, there's already all the, all these articles about why Nick Saban coaching the green Bay Packers makes sense. That's from sports illustrated. Uh, there's all this could other stuff. Be, could it be the guy at the Browns that turn it around? He's uh, got Baker. <laughs> well, and he's, you know, Nick Saban's 67 years old. Is, is he going to, do you think, do you think oh, that would not. be what he's probably he'd, too old. Do you think that would be what he'd want to do though? Is just go coach in the NFL for three to five years and then and then retire, or would he want to retire at the top of his game, winning another national championship for Alabama and then just never coaching again? Probably that one. Maybe that's what. Yeah, he might. He might could do if he if he does it this year. I'll, I don't know what his contract situation is or anything like that, but. His I could see him calling the quiz. Set for life. Oh, I would imagine. <laughs> All right. So a quick check of the time. We are. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for for an episode where we're like we don't have anything to talk about. Um, Cooper Burnett 
Well, next year's Pac-12 championship between Washington State and USC be the greatest game ever played over under 199 and a half. <laughs> so, of course, if those two teams meeting, it's a, it's a meeting between uh, Mike Leach and Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to reluctantly take the under. I think. Well, that means both teams are scoring 100 points. I know. I know. I was being, I was being sarcastic. I mean. But like, is that really out of the out of the ordinary though? Is that one forty five is not out of the ordinary? That's not too crazy. They get in the seventies. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that would that was something we kind of alluded to earlier. Spencer broke down the Pac twelve South. It's pretty weak. The Pac twelve altogether is pretty weak. And if if Kingsbury is able to get it going with this quarterback and. The head coach keeps his job at least long enough for Kingsbury to take it over or whatever it's going to happen. This is a likely scenario, and that would be some great TV. But Washington State's got to get past Washington, which has been a struggle. A bugaboo. A little bit of a bugaboo, if you will. So speaking of the USC schedule, that's our next next question from Adele. There's no cupcakes for USC on the schedule next year. Play Notre Dame. There's, they always play Notre Dame. I don't know. They always play them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's three. It's week three. I remember looking at it earlier today. I think. Not even close. Are you sure? Oh yeah. Um, August thirty first, Fresno State. September seventh, Stanford. September fourteenth, at BYU. September twentieth, Utah. Oh. September twenty eighth, at Washington. Then they get a bye week, October fifth. Then they go at Notre Dame, October twelfth. October 19th, Arizona, 25th at Colorado, November 2nd, Oregon, at Arizona State, at California, UCLA. So some of their toughest games next season are on the road. At Washington, at Notre Dame. Oregon is kind of making a comeback, but that's that's back at L.A. Yeah. They're gonna have their their work cut out for them, and like there's no there's no easy out of conference games. I mean Fresno State's the easiest easiest they got, but even then, their head coach. Sorry, it was like a knock at the door. It's it's the cat. <laughs> it's the cat. But it's like, dude, who's here at ten thirty at night? Ah, uh-huh. um, I mean, you, you talk about Fresno State not being a Power Five team. Their head coach has been listed for a bunch of the current power five openings. Yeah. He's, he's kind of so one of the, he's had some success. Yeah. He's, he's, having he's success. one of the up and comers that are, he's getting noticed quite a bit. Also at 60 years old. So <laughs> Kyle Lang with all the decommits and the prospect of double dit, digit transfers and losing several key seniors. Do you think that tech will reach bowl eligibility next season? I'm still going to say yes. You should have, you should have by far and away, been bowl eligible this season. I'm like, going to say there, yes. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of arguments to be made that you could have won eight or nine games this season. I think the Big 12 is going to be... Well, you're going to have the best quarterback. Right. And the Big 12, I forgot what the stat was, but over half of the teams in the Big 12 won either five or six games. It's a pretty mundane conference right now. And you're going to lose... West Virginia is going to lose a lot of great guys, and they're one of the top teams in the conference. OU is going to lose Kyler Murray, 
of course they'll probably maybe the receivers. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll still be probably the. I don't know. Texas may be the team to beat next year in the conference. As much as I hate to say that, but you'll see. Uh, I think Texas will be kind of the leading. You know, at the forefront of it next year, possibly with OU behind, and then there's going to be a lot of just because they're back. Right, they're back. You know, Iowa State's going to have a good squad, it, but there's just a lot of teams that will be just all over the place, and we'll be right there in the mix of it. I I think yeah, we'll make one. What does Kansas State look like year one, not under Bill Snyder? We, we've seen like Kansas State without Bill Snyder is garbage. Historically, yeah. historically, um, Kansas got, under Les Miles is who knows what that's probably the look biggest like. crapshoot ever. Yeah, um, you've got West Virginia without Will Greer, without those Gary Jennings, yeah, Will, Sills. Yeah, uh, you've you've got uh, OU without Kyler Murray. I'm not sure if Hollywood Brown's a senior or not, or if he stays. Even if Murray's leaving, maybe he maybe he heads to the NFL. Who knows? Anything like that could happen. Yep. Texas is kind of your main your main uh, team there. TCU is going to be. I feel like they're going to be about the same page as us. Uh, I'm blanking on the other teams now. Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. It. Everyone's just kind of meandering towards the middle, and we we fit right in. And hopefully, we'll we'll squeeze out a few more than just six. Last one. It's going back to to basketball. It's a Red Raider reset, man. Prediction for the Tech Duke game. Okay, I right now, I pre, I predict a loss. I'm going to take Zion Williamson. Oh <laughs> my sorry. gosh, I, I I don't want to say this as a as a negative fan or anything, but they're they're really good. They're a very good team, and Tech has yet to play a very good first half of basketball as we went through earlier. It's it's you, kind of worrisome. You, you may beat them in the second half for twenty points again and still lose this game. It it could be it could be bad. We'll see. But that's why you that's why you play the game. That's, play the game. that's my current prediction though, is so Tech says, loses. Tech with a buzzer beater is my Christmas wish. I would take that. Absolutely. Every day. Yeah. Um an actual present or do y'all give out gift cards? So I give gifts because I go off what people give me for their list, right? Samantha yeah. like hates lists. I will give her a list and say, here's everything I want. And very specific too. It's like, she's like, well, then you'll know exactly what you get. It's like, well, that's why I give you a long list so you can pick. Sure. Like, I'm not asking for everything on my list. If you decide you don't like any of those ideas, you all, you know, the stores I like to shop at, give me a gift card or, be even like one step back and just say, be, because we have a, a shared bank account, like I will budget for you to go buy your own <laughs> Christmas gift. Here, here's your budget. She always like, you're the worst to, to buy gifts for. It's like, I give you a list. I make it super simple. <laughs> she she doesn't give me a list, but she always, she, she drops a lot of hints. Like she's being like real sneaky. I was like, write that down. Cause I'm going to buy it for you. <laughs> well, I, I like to so do, I, I don't give gift cards. No, I, not not to my wife. I I do to other people. We we yeah, it's easier. We, yeah, and we've tried. You know, including even my mom. I'll, we'll do gift cards. I try to. Mom's birthday is in December, so we try to. I try to get her something kind of special for her birthday, and then. Anyway, uh, I always ask for gift cards from 
my mom, from my in-laws, from yeah. anybody. If they, and that's only if they ask me, what do you want for Christmas? And I'll just say, gift cards are great. And usually my go-tos are Academy or Alamo Draft House or something like that. You yeah. know, th- those are my go-tos every time because I love gift cards. And that's what he goes on to say is I prefer gift cards so I can buy whatever I want. And I just... Which There's, is why I, I either ask for something very specific yeah. or I tell, I tell them to give me a, a gift card. Yeah, or I just, you know, my wife and I, will we'll ask each other or we'll drop, not hints, but we'll just kind of flat out tell each other some stuff throughout the year about actual gifts. But we don't do that with anyone else. You know, if my mom wants to get me something, I'll, and I'll just say, give me a gift card. Really? That's all? That's what, Yeah, it is. It's great. <laughs> she gave me an Academy gift card for my Father's Day present. I went and bought an Under Armour Texas Tech shirt. It was fantastic. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up. What do we learn this week? I will let you go first. Oh, I get to go first. Okay. <laughs> we learned, thanks to Keith, that there is a Mexican food restaurant on... In the ghetto. On Amherst, just east of Indiana, between Indiana and Flint, called Joel's... And it is good. And on Mondays through Fridays, they have a lunch buffet. It's 10 bucks, and that includes your drink. And chips and salsa. And chips and salsa. And it's, we, we all shared it at chips and salsa. It's worth so. every penny. It's not a one-trip buffet either. You can get... Well, and according to Keith, if you don't leave a buffet just absolutely miserable, you didn't do it right. He's exactly right. Absolutely. And so, yeah. We my, all went back. I, th- I think we all went back three times. Yeah. My, my pants well, were a little tight at the three office. Three trips to the. Buffet. Three trips. We didn't make three return trips. But no, that was that was what I learned today. Joel's was a great pick. Good job. Good job by you, Keith. Yeah. I, I was a little uh, apprehensive of a Mexican buffet. I um, wasn't because I'd heard about this place and I've been wanting to try it. And I, I'm, I'm glad that. Keith reminded me because I'm sure it was, I think it was two or three years ago. Someone was telling me about this place. Oh, it was a guy. <clears throat> excuse me. It was the guy that sold, sold us our truck. <laughs> our salesman was telling us about that, about Joel's and we were making a mental note. Yeah, we should get out there. And okay. So now it's been four years. <laughs> that was when he told us about it. The, the thing Finally that made it, <laughs> that won me over is they had their flour tortillas just sitting out, like waiting for you to take however many you wanted. I was like, Help okay. yourself. Help yourself to a tortilla. It's not like you had to like, hey, hey, go and get some tortillas. Like, no, no go, go get them yourself. No, they're, they're right, right there. there. A, they're they're there for the taking. They're there. They're warm. They're waiting for you. And then they, they had some uh, some asado out, and that was really good. Yeah, I haven't had some asado. In Sneaky a while. spicy. It was, but it was good. Yeah, and uh, it was great. Their uh, their ground beef was really good. Also a little bit spicy, but not like. I don't know, it was all. It was all good. It was crunchy taco shells. You can make your own taco. You can make your own tostada. Uh, Keith made like a taco salad that looked really good. Everybody just kind of they had enchiladas out. I ate them so fast. I, I'm not even sure what they were. I think they were cheese. <laughs> Allison asked me what they were today, and I was like, I think they were cheese enchiladas. I'm, I'm not sure. I just I have no idea. I just I ate it in like three bites because it was so really good. good. Could have been beef in there. I don't know. So um. Let's see. What did I learn? I don't know if it was a learn, but definitely a reminder that people are definitely set in their ways when it comes to sports. Um, so I'm talking about fans. There's there have been some really interesting days on staking the planes, going through the comment section. Woof. Um, like we're like. 
not unexpectedly, we were hitting like record level traffic and comments the past week or so, which is great. Like we all love it. Um, and we love the community there. We love all you guys, especially one of the newest commenters. I don't know if you saw this, Mr. Kyle Jacobson. Welcome Kyle. Sliding into the comment section of Snake yes. the Plains. Yes. Um, more possible exciting news on that front coming maybe later at the very least there will be a guest appearance in the podcast oh yeah we've got to get kyle in here he's got a much better voice than i do especially right now and much better takes yeah Yeah. sorry good takes not of of just you of both of us probably combined i i I didn't care which one you meant it was it was true either way (laughs) there's probably a good possibility that we're going to invite him on he's going to like edge us out as like the host of the show and just take over and um, yeah, I just learned that like, no matter like the evidence presented or the opportunity to listen to this guy speak, there are people that will be disappointed that Texas Tech did not hire Mike Leach or Art Bryles or that didn't, that they didn't interview Dana Holgerson or that or they ever fired X, Y, and Z it Kingsbury matter. in the first place. Yeah. No matter what you can present for the new coach, Matt Wells, his, his staff, whatever, Especially right now where everything is, the sky is falling. It, it's just going to be a little rough, but we sh- we should have to make it through. Yeah. We've got nine more months, baby. We, I know. We can do this. We've, we've got nine months to get everybody on board and it, it may not quite happen, but we'll at least try. All right. After probably two plus hours of podcasting, that's it for us. I'm your host, Spencer. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.